This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Check, 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 check. Hey, y'all, and welcome to In Kaylin Color. I'm your host, Kendra, and I'm here to tell you all about true black crime. I want to bring the light, the unheard, and push down stories of black serial killers, lesser known murderers, and true tales of crime scene cleanup. The danger in ignoring black victims and perpetrators is not only in the devaluation of black life, but also in ignoring systematic oppression that makes black people more vulnerable to violent crime and less likely to receive justice. I'm not saying let's celebrate black crime, but let's just bring some light to it and let the people know what's really happening. True crime is horrible. Luckily, I'm not. Here we go. These are their stories. Hey y'all, and welcome to episode number 15 of In Killing Color. It's me, Kendra, and today we are going to talk about cults again. And we're going to talk about the United Nation of Yahweh. Some people in Miami may know what that is, but if you don't, you will by the end of the episode. Let's get to it. At its peak in the late 1980s, the Nation of Yahweh had thousands of followers and owned millions in real estate. They were mixing messages of black power with fringe ideologies, and they pledged their devotion to the founder, whose name was Yahweh Ben Yahweh, and they believed he was divine, of course. His reputation for social outreach resulted in the Miami Mayor Xavier Suarez declaring October 7, 1990, Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day. A month later, he would actually be arrested on a litany of charges, including racketeering, extortion, arson, and boom, 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 murder. All right, Yahweh, you was getting to it, wasn't it? Getting the coin, arson, burning shit up, and you was out here killing people. <laughs> it's giving real cult. All right, let's get to it. So, Yahweh Ben Yahweh was born Hulon Mitchell Jr. in Kingfisher, Oklahoma in 1935. He was the oldest of 15 children, according to the Chicago Tribune. His father was actually a Pentecostal minister, and his sister is Grammy Award-winning opera singer Leona Mitchell. If you don't know who that is, go ahead and Google that. Get a little backstory so you can see where he came from. So throughout his life, Yahweh adopted several religious practices, and he claimed he knew he was divine by the age of three. Not sure how you would know you were divine at three, because at three, you didn't even know how to wipe your ass. But anyway, 
Yahweh then made his way to Chicago, where he became involved with the Nation of Islam, as most of them do. Once he left there, he ended up joining the military and then attended law school. He moved to Atlanta in the late 1960s, where he studied psychology and later earned a master's degree in economics at Atlanta University. He then joined the actual Nation of Islam and took on the name Hulan X. After leaving the Nation of Islam later in the 60s, he became a faith healing Christian preacher and named himself Father Mitchell, fashioning himself after Father Divine and Samuel Father Jehovah Morris, two black ministers and self-proclaimed divine connections to God who were really active and popular back in the early 20th century. And that's another story we'll get into because um, Father Divine was a wild boy. Okay. Um, in 1978, Mitchell then moved to Miami, Florida, where he gathered members of the black Hebrew Israelites and founded the nation of Yahweh. In the late 1970s, Yahweh arrived in Miami and he rebranded himself, calling himself Yahweh Ben Yahweh, which is God, the son of God. Along with anti-white creeds, heavily influenced by the most extreme ideas of the nation of Islam, he borrowed ideas from the black Hebrew Israelites who believe that black people are the true descendants of the ancient Hebrews of the Bible. Impressively dressed in a jeweled turban and flowing white robes and stuff, he began attracting followers through his sermons because he was a really good speaker. He dubbed his religious sect the Nation of Yahweh, and at their height, he claimed they had about 20,000 members in 45 cities. In his teachings, Yahweh told his followers to wear white, claiming that he that overcometh the white man, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. We are white people's property as long as we keep their name, which was another lesson. So there he made everybody change their name to biblical names because, hey, y'all white people not giving us names. Okay. Supposedly they had millions of followers and they literally hung and listened to every single word he said. Now, early on, uh, Yahweh had his house in a place called the Temple of Love, which was a multi-use complex inside a predominantly black Miami neighborhood called Liberty City. It had a whole bunch of people coming around and, you know, they were really impressed because he was cleaning it up, making it look nice and all this stuff and just helping clean up the neighborhood in general. So in Opelika, Florida, he was praised for turning a rundown apartment building into a thriving community of followers. The followers who moved into the converted warehouses that they named the Temple of Love were kept in line by threats of violence. But of course, a core group of machete-wielding bodyguards assigned to the leader reinforced that story. At one point, he had every adult male line up in a show of loyalty and drop their pants. And for those who weren't circumcised, Yahweh said, I'm going to go ahead and do that for you real quick. Chop, chop. <laughs> he said, <laughs> Uh, if you didn't get the chop, I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you because we need to see the whole thing. <laughs> With a machete. <laughs> Girl. No. No. Anyway, the followers were expected to generate money by selling goods, which included Yahweh branded drinks and beauty products. But of course, 
With these proceeds and donations from the members, the group invested in real estate holdings and they had apartment buildings, hotels, supermarkets, and they were actually valued at $9 million in 1990. Followers were sent into the streets in order to collect a minimum of $10. And if they didn't, you already know, they faced consequences. They were brought into a cafeteria room that was known as the Room of Understanding. And a former member did an interview and gave a couple of quotes. And he said, basically, you're on a concrete floor with a thin layer of carpet. You were made to kneel down on your knees and keep your back straight for four or five hours. In that room, there was also guards with sticks that made sure you stayed exactly the way you were supposed to. Not capital punishment. Um, child, you didn't make your $10. You actually made nine fifty. That ain't it. Get to the cafeteria right now. <laughs> okay. So through the nation of Yahweh, though, excuse me, though the nation of Yahweh presented itself as a religious organization dedicated to improving black lives by teaching self-reliance and practicing urban renewal, darker things were actually going on behind the doors of the temple of love. Those who questioned Yahweh's teachings or practices within the group were subject to discipline, beatings, and in some cases, murder. But as his power grew, so did his abuse. It would later be revealed that he forcibly and illegally kicked out current tenants to make room for Nation of Yahweh members. And two residents spoke out about that back in the day, and their names were Anthony Brown and Rudolph Broussard. And... When they decided to speak out about it, guess what? There was repercussions about them speaking out about it. So Brown and Broussard were actually both shot outside of those same apartment complexes in October of 1986. It wasn't the first time that the nation of Yahweh allegedly killed their naysayers. In 86, nine people were murdered and had their ears severed throughout the whole Miami-Dade County. Uh, the Nation of Yahweh cult member, it was a former member named Robert Rosier. He served 22 years for those killings. Now, he got there and he started, you know, you get clocked. You're going to go ahead and spill all the tea. So, man got 22 years. He says that Yahweh was actually the mastermind behind all the attacks. And he also said that one time Yahweh told him and other members, bring me the ears of the white devils. <laughs> all right. The severed ear killings aren't the only nation of Yahweh connected murders in 1981. Former member Aston Green was found decapitated in the Florida Everglades with his face bruised, his left eye swollen shut, and his body covered in shoe marks. The only former member of nation of Yahweh featured in the documentary that was put out several years ago. His name was uh, Khalil Amani. He told that story about that whole tragic day. So they said the day of the murder, Amani said that he was standing guard as one of the Yahweh brothers beat Aston, wrapped him in a rug with tape all around his face. And they shoved him into a trunk of the car. Allegedly, later on, they beheaded him and disposed of him in the Everglades. Later, um, Green's roommates, Carlton, Carlton Carey and Mildred Banks, went to the police with the information and they presumed that he was a member of the nation of Yahweh. Upon getting back to the house, Carrie and Banks were both ambushed outside their front door. Carrie was actually killed while Banks was shot 
stabbed with a machete and found by her neighbors. And then her neighbors took her to the hospital and she survived, but she couldn't tell them actually who did it. But fingers are pointing to those Yahweh people. Um, Amani said later that Yahweh would always talk about death angels. He would say, who would kill for Yahweh? Then everybody would raise their hands. Who would die for Yahweh? And then everybody raised their hands again. There's also a group called the Brotherhood. Now, to get in the group, you had to bring back proof that you killed a white person. So one day, a member walked into the temple and handed Yahweh an ear. Then Amani saw him toss the severed body part into like a bin, like it was nothing. And all Yahweh said was, praise Yahweh, toss ear in the basket. Okay. Now, there's a cult, like somebody that's really, really like into cults. And his name is Rick Ross. And we're not talking about Freeway Rick Ross, Highway Rick Ross. We're not talking about Rick Ross in Miami. We're talking about somebody else. They said that uh, Ben Ben Yahweh certainly fit the classic profile of a destructive cult leader. He became an object of worship and his followers could find no fault in him. And he was always right. So one of the key differences between Hebrew Israelites and the nation of Yahweh is that the Hebrew Israelites were based mainly in the Old Testament and the nation of Yahweh was mostly about the New Testament, except they all both believed that their Messiah was Yahweh instead of Jesus. So they basically was like, Yahweh is Jesus. Jesus who? Question mark. I mean, (laughs) that's what it's like giving, but I don't know. So although um, Yahweh's followers remained devoted to them, he was in trouble by the law by the late 1990s. So between 1990 and 2001, he served 11 years of an 18 year sentence on a racketeering. I'm not going to read that on a RICO charge. Everybody knows the RICO charges. Um, and after that, several of the other members of the nation of Yahweh were convicted of conspiracy for murder And the guy, Robert Rozier, that I mentioned earlier that got 22 years, he was actually an ex-NFL player. Very random. It's a random fact. He actually um, confessed, like I said earlier, to seven of those murders. So Yahweh faced conviction only for the conspiracy to murder. And the primary component of the prosecution's case was Rozier, who testified against him for a lighter sentence. Once Rozier got out of jail... He later entered the witness protection program and then his ass went right back to prison for 25 years because he hit the third strike on the three strikes you're out for a check fraud conviction. So you did 22 for murder, got out with the witness protection and went your ass right back because you wrote a bad check. (laughs) You hate to see it. (laughs) So. After Yahweh and the six members of the Circle of Ten Security Force were in prison in 1992, many of his followers left the nation's Temple of Love and abandoned the Miami area altogether. And during the trial, they had shocking disclosures from the trial about Yahweh's involvement in the killings and, of course, sexual relationships with underage girls, which also caused a lot of people to denounce him and say, we're not fucking with it no more. Most of the nation's properties were foreclosed and seized upon once he was in jail. 
So in 2001, Yahweh was actually released on parole and he returned to Miami. But the police were heavy on his head and they were like, "Mm -mm, we watching all that shit. He was prohibited from reconnecting with anybody in his old congregation. And he basically had somebody following him around all the time. So to ensure that they had all this, he was restricted from any form of speech by the Internet, phone, computer, radio, TV, or any other place that he can get in contact with any of his members. So that went on for about five years. So in 2006, he started to get really sick and he was um, diagnosed with prostate cancer. So they decided to give him a conditionary release from his parole so he could die with dignity. So he got cancer after he had people killed and molested girls, but let's let him, you know, die with dignity because, you know, he's Yahweh been Yahweh. Okay. So in the end, Mitchell did die on May the 7th, 2007, and he was 71 years old. They never said where he died, but the a statement came out that said, you know, Yahweh will be remembered and mourned by the millions of people that he touched through prayer and teachings. <laughs> the funeral of Yahweh Ben Yahweh was a black and white affair. And I'm definitely going to post these pictures because I'm about to tell y'all those people was in that mug clean as a bitch. I'm talking about white head to toe, black head to toe. Them, they was fucking clean. I said, <laughs> I ain't mad at it. Y'all giving a look for your man. (laughs) Hey, I ain't mad at it. Okay. So nearly 500 white clad members of the nation of Yahweh came and came to this Florida ballroom in an upscale event. And that was on May the 13th. And now, although the nation of Yahweh members no longer openly condemn white devils, there is a little bit of back and forth with them, like talking about, the wicked powers and the end of their 6,000 year rule. I don't know. You know, sometimes with the black Israelites and the cults, they just be like, I hate to say it. They just be like, fuck white people. And I mean, if that's how they feel, that's just how they feel. We can't stop nobody from feeling like that because there's plenty of groups out here that be like, fuck black people. Right. (laughs) Or wrong. It's right. So they, uh, after the, um, funeral, they had a little, come to Jesus meeting outside and he said that somebody one of the old members came out and did a little speech and they was like God is black the opposite of God is evil the opposite of black is white so what do you think white is I mean the math is mathing (laughs) one plus one is two hey I don't know they said that You know, extreme violence isn't usually the reason that people join cults like the um, Nation of Yahweh. It's more so because they want to feel like a lot of people just want to feel like a part of something. They want to feel included. They want to feel special, even though they're actually being uh, mentally abused on a daily basis and physically abused as well. And if you're a woman, you're probably getting molested or raped as well. But you want to be included because, you know, Yahweh was a light-skinned tall man with green eyes you know he was giving looks girl he really was with his jeweled turban on with giving little uzi vert diamond in the middle of his forehead girl (laughs) goodbye okay (laughs) 
when I was looking up this stuff, y'all, and I saw what he looked like, I said, mm, okay. You know, he kind of had nails like um, Sweet Daddy had too. Remember when I talked about Sweet Daddy and his nails? They weren't as long as Sweet Daddy's nails, but he did have a little nail. But his outfits was clean. Boy, I ain't even going to play with you. That white head to toe, it was crispy, okay? So, at the end of the day, you're either going to be a follower or you're going to be a leader. Yahweh said, I'm going to be a leader and y'all going to follow me because I said so or else I'm going to cut your ear off. All right, Yahweh. Obviously, they was listening to you. They did what you did. You died with dignity off parole thanks to the government. I feel like that was a payoff, but there's no information on that, so I can't speculate too much. But y'all can speculate, so we can talk about it if you want to. Head to the TikTok. Head to the Instagram. Let's talk about it. Anyway, thank y'all for listening today on my rant about the nation of Yahweh, not to be confused with the United House of Yahweh, because the United House of Yahweh is a white people's cult. And they are fucking terrible. Because <laughs> I did research on them too, and they was awful. But anyway, thank y'all for listening. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at In Killing Color. Thanks to my producers. It's the Sweet Talkers. Theme song by Remix Maniacs. And all the research and all the shit was done by me. See y'all next time. Bye. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about <laughs> is the, the live circumcisions. <laughs> so I have questions that deserve answers. <laughs> so these niggas lined up, right? Mm-hmm. Immediate drop right. trial, and then he pulled out a rusty machete and was like, "Okay, all y'all who got a hood, <laughs> it's a chop." Right? Categories closed on that. Pretty much, like, right, right, and he was like, "Cause we want to see all of it." I need all of that visual, okay? Wow, I and they just let him do it, like I, sure not, thing. Go I'm ahead. Not, I'm not letting nobody cut my dog so I can hang out with you, fam. Like no, like so we can be friends. That's weird. It's very weird. That sent me back. But for some reason, I feel like he wasn't circumcised. It was probably filthy and cheesy. Mm. Not just a four skin, a five skin, and a six skin. It probably had lint. Oh, you know it. Oh, my God. You know it, did. You know it did. Oh, my God. It smelled like a mozzarella stick. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>